Hey everyone, my name is Sergio and I am the handler for Mayday's Delta Green campaign, Doomed to Repeat. With me, as always, is the original owner of the Trivolino Mall, Black Project Gaming's Vince. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. Good to be here, and uh, glad to have everyone at home tuning in. Uh, hey, as always, if you enjoy what we're doing here, please make sure to like and subscribe, or just leave a positive review on YouTube, on social media, wherever you happen to listen and watch us. Um, however, if you want access to all the exclusive content we're cooking up behind the scenes here, extended episodes, the works, um, join our Patreon, where as little as $2 a month is going to get you access to all of these extended episodes, as well as our Discord. So, you've gotten your invitation to the Encounter Group, but have no mask or cloak of truth. Well, we've got you covered because you have found the Dead Drop, a guide to running impossible landscapes. Well, Vince, we are back covering the last half of Volume of Secret Faces, a scenario so large we had to break it in half to fully digest it. Last time we started at the beginning with Operation India Moon, we covered Dr. Barbus's residence, and then we explored the Dorchester house and where it leads to on the other side. So today, we're going to cover all the other crazy things that your agents can get up to, including exploring Esther Samagina's residence, attending the encounter group, learning about Ophelia Seatree, and finally surviving the Trivolino Mall ambush surviving right as with all past walkthroughs we are about to get into spoilers for volume of secret faces so if you are a player in an impossible landscapes campaign you need to make like henry samagina and take a long cold bath i'll let the innuendo do its work these puns are amazing <laughs> Incredible work, my friend. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, Vince, what aspect of Volume of Secret Faces should we discuss first? Well, you know, we dug into the real meat and potatoes of the scenario last go around. So um, we can talk about definitely some of the areas that maybe your players depending on what rabbit hole they decide to go down and, and what white rabbit they decide to chase. Uh, let's start off with Nurse Samagina's residence. Now, this was one that my players didn't necessarily have an opportunity to explore. They didn't really um, look into her too much because the book makes it explicit that she's friendly, she's helpful, and so um, it might it might take a little bit for your players to become suspicious of her and follow her or look into her any further because as it stands, there's really no meat to sink your teeth into to really warrant looking into her further. But if you decide to play her up quirky, like some of the other uh, less reputable uh, employees of Dorchester House, you might be able to, to, to pull that thread a little bit and get your players in there. Um, but I think, that's, hey, I think that's a good suggestion because... Like you said, yeah, she's hard to uh, immediately see that there's, that there's a problem. In fact, some of our uh, uh, patrons and uh, uh, commenters have made mention of this, where they specifically had to kind of poke the players with Samagina and her residence to, to get them to look into her. Yeah, you know, play up the surreal aspect. You know, it, if, if somebody decides to make a human role, or even if you decide to take the player with the highest human and say as helpful as she is as friendly as she is there's something almost forced about it there's something almost unnatural about it just just a little throwaway comment to maybe get those hackles raised a little bit and maybe have them pry a little bit deeper um 
And of course, yeah. there is something very strange about uh, Esther Samagina. She has a secret, uh, secret yeah. about her family. This is uh, Nurse Samagina is definitely a, a phenomenal cautionary tale about what can happen when the corruption of the King in Yellow spreads beyond the individual to those closest to them. Yeah. Um, and, Even more and so the, than than Doctor Barbus. More so than Doctor Barbus, almost yeah, because Barbus is the only one affected. But with Nurse Samagina, we've got. Her husband, Philip, and her son, Henry, uh, age 16. Um, you can easily enough find the Sam and Gina family home uh, through Google, standard social media checks. But when you get there, uh, you quickly learn that, that uh, Nurse Sam and Gina has been compromised by the yellow sign, the king in yellow. She brought that infection home um, and actually gave her son a sketch of the yellow sign, which is how the corruption began to spread. Um, and yeah, he was probably inspired by that to start working on his own version of the King yes. in Yellow. Absolutely, yeah. Um, what's funny is, so say the players decide to do some research on Nurse Samagina first and foremost. The first thing you're going to discover is that Samagina is the name of a de another demon from the Ars Goetia, um, a great marquee of hell reigning over 30 legions of demons. So clue number one that maybe things aren't exactly as they should be. Yeah, by this um, point, the players should be looking up every single name they come across and referencing oh, that book. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe once the players have enough uh, suspicions, they decide to break in, what do they find inside? Right, yeah. So uh, one of the first clues that they'll actually find in the, like, either, I believe, the family room, the dining room, or the kitchen, one of the main areas of the home, they find a flyer for something called the Encounter Group, uh, which we'll get into later on in this discussion. But um, this could lead to something else. In fact, they don't just find one flyer. They find printouts and magazine clippings fashioned into a flyer for the Encounter Group, several photocopies that a FedEx office received for 250 copies. Um, it specifically states that the Encounter Group meets on Tuesdays at a small nearby church uh, and promises that individuals can find the answer to life's questions in a no-judgment group environment. Um, <laughs> there is a drawing of the yellow sign on it, so that's another potential infection vector for your players if they haven't already seen it. Which at this point, I mean, I'm sure they have, or who knows, maybe you're drawing it out as the handler, and yeah. uh, this could be the first time they see it, up entirely to you. Um, there is, uh, yeah, the king comes is written on it. It's it's a creepy clue. It's a creepy clue, and, and we'll get into that later, though. There is a laundry chute. So with this laundry chute, the players can look down it. They'll see somebody at the bottom, but can't quite make out the features. They could shout down. They could try to communicate, but of course they don't re receive a response. The surreal part kicks in is that later on, when the players end up at Hotel Broadlebin, they could encounter the opposite end of this laundry chute, and everything that they were shouting down back then, they can hear now uh, at the bottom. Yeah, this is a good moment to either write down what they said or to re record it even uh, yes. with your phone or something like that. It does say that, they, that the players can hear the sound of distant machines humming, and so when the person yells from down below, they can't really make out what they're saying, which right. kind of justifies uh, the whole interaction. Yep, and it uh, tracks. Right. And then also I like that if they kind of examine the laundry chute, they realize it's very poorly or very rudimentally placed into the wall. It's it's really not real at all. If they inspect it further, it's just a dead end. Right. 
Yep, it's it's a great little again, all these little seeds kind of tying back to different parts of the, the campaign. It's it's really just uh, it's a lot of fun to mess with the player's perception of things. There is the master bedroom in which you can find clothes laid out for both uh, Henry and his father. And then, of course, we find the wall mirror. The master bath mirror seems normal, but of course covered in a complex series of strange lines drawn in fingerprint grease. Uh, it, it is the yellow sign, and it has uh, essentially turned this into a uh, portal to elsewhere. Or, and if the players decide to go in, um, it is uh, essentially a pitch black space that's like swimming in water. It's a void, um, and they will find the body of Philip Samagina, who has disappeared inside this mirror. Um, and there's even a cool little illustration of it there in the book for, for maximum effect. Yeah. Um, but this is a really creepy sequence because like they will see pinpoints of light in the distance, which are other, other mirrors. Um, they can swim in that direction, try to exit through those mirrors. Where they end up is up to the handler. Um, You've got a, a man swimming just nonchalantly in the distance. Now he's um, described as a man wearing a white suit, so you could infer that he is the, uh, the the encyclopedia salesman. Exactly. Yep. Just something about that image just creeps me the hell out. Just like you're you're swimming in this void, just on the verge of insanity, and all of a sudden you just see this dude just fucking breaststroking, you know, in a white suit. Um, <laughs> crazy. And then you've got, of course, various junk. Now, the way to get into the mirror is a little interesting because it suggests that the players kind of follow the yellow sign in its, in its um, you know, shape. And every time they do that, the finger kind of falls deeper and deeper into the mirror. I wonder if every agent would think to do something like that. Uh, you might want to be lenient and say if they touch the mirror, if they um, interact with... Uh, I'm not exactly sure how else they could do that but it, it, it you know you might have to think outside the box to get them if you want them to go through that mirror to see what's on the other side absolutely like if it were me i'd say at this point if your agents haven't learned not to touch strange things um and they just decide to put their hands on it then yeah then then have them just their hand go through and they touch that uh that cold arm on the other side um if, have you ever seen the film under the skin with Scarlett yes. Johansson. Yes. It reminds me of that scene in Under the Skin where the man finds himself kind of floating in this void. So go watch that for inspiration for this There moment. you go. Exactly. Yep. Uh, yeah, so I wouldn't exactly make them trace the sign every time. I would just, I, I, the way I would treat it is the portal is already active and if they touch it, they begin to go through. All of this leads to the conclusion of the Samagina house, which is that it gets set on fire. How do we get there? Yes, yeah. So essentially, if the, the players encounter Esther at any point in time, um, it's they're, it, the, the house is going up. She's going to light the house on fire, presuming that she's been caught. And, um, and is this something where if the agents approach her about something, if they start asking her about anything threatening or to do with the king in yellow, does uh, she attack? Yeah, so if she's uh, confronted with, as the text says, word for word, if she's confronted with evidence of her madness, she lights the linseed oil, uh, painted walls on fire, and rushes the agent with the highest corruption rating. Um, she'll try to pin them, and she'll be screaming, the last king has come. Nice, nice. Uh, looks like Philip and Henry will inevitably uh, head in that direction as well. The place lights up, but there is a vision. There is something that the players can see in this fire. 
there is. Yep, the king, uh, the king in yellow himself. What the, the implication? Um, there are fi- there is a chart for fire effects. Um, you know, the agent can, uh, you know, for example, on the first to second turn, uh, each agent must make a dodge or athletics roll or take one damage. Then the stairs are cut off. Then they have to do a search roll due to the smoke to find their way out. And as they look up, they see a figure at the top of the stairs near the bedroom in the middle of this this inferno um, with a golden robe and unaffected by the flames. Uh, They gain, of course, corruption. And then, uh, of course, at the end there, they better be on their way out because they're going to start taking damage, like legit damage as they burn alive. So (laughs) I also think that if players end up somewhere in the house that they weren't expecting. Maybe they were hoping they were upstairs or they were in the kitchen, but they're somewhere else. I still think this uh, these turns can apply. The, the king in yellow is just standing in the threshold of the front door instead of, you know, the top of the stairs, things like that. Yeah, that could be, and that could be a great little, again, another little surreal horror move, uh, moment where the agents come back together after escaping. They talk about what they've seen and they all realize they saw this, this, manifestation at different parts of the house at the same time. Oh, interesting. Sam and Gina inevitably, if you continue exploring, leads to the encounter group, which yes. I think is a great little moment. Um, let's talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Definitely. Um, so encounter group is, uh, it's one of those things and we'll get to it if, you know, as we talk about and get to, what do we do if we have a TPK? What do we do if we lose everybody in the team? Um, but so that's just one possible function for this. But with Encounter Group, um, it is, you know, they'll find it in a the basement of a church. You'll find it at a VFW hall, Veterans of Foreign Wars, um, a school always going to be after hours. And they will need um, the cloaks and they will need the masks in order to get access. Um, in and fact, those are offered if they go without the cloak and mask, though I believe there's something they do. Them. Correct. Yeah, there's somebody there that identifies themselves as the 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 person acting as the phantom for the evening. Um, and uh, if the agent asks who the phantom is, they say, you know, like they're supposed to. Right. Um, the funny thing about this one is that if they look at this box that's on the table, um, they will see this Cyrillic writing. And if anybody actually reads or understands Russian, um, they'll see it's uh, for a Stalingrad Tractor Factory 3, which is going to come up again when they find themselves in Carcosa because um, they are they are uh, forced into and through a tractor factory at a certain point. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. I, I, did, I did like the kind of historical accuracy that it was uh, supposed to be the most uh, difficult or most uh, uh, intense uh, battle, the most, the fiercest battle of Stalingrad in World War II. Yep, was fought at that tractor factory. That's cool. Yeah, and and we'll we'll see when we get to Carcosa how this perpetual battle is ongoing and seems to encompass multiple timelines. It's 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 wild. So walk us through what happens in the meeting. I think the first step is they all enter the room. Everyone's wearing masks, and then there's a gong sound that brings everybody to the the center. I assume there's like a a, a, a circle of chairs or something like that. Yeah, exactly. A circle of chairs in this room. The gong sounds. Everybody takes their seats. Um, nothing further happens until everyone sits down, and then they go through their script. You know, say the things we cannot say elsewhere. Truth, Truth leads, leads us. us. Find ourselves and know ourselves. Truth, Truth makes, makes us, us. Oh, become the rulers. Good. It does. Yeah, 
become the rulers of our own lives. Truth, Truth freeze, freeze us. us. Say what you will. Oh, man, that's good shit. Gong sounds again. Lights go out. Um, of course, the agents will be startled because the lights are suddenly out and it's completely dark. Um but and, I but I do oh. find the shuffle pretty hilarious. I, I there's something just about you're in this strange room. The lights go out, and when your eyes adjust, you can see everybody like shuffling around, like playing musical chairs. Basically, it's a funny image. Right. Yeah. And I wonder. I wonder if the intent is to, um, you know, putting myself into you know the the the, the place of these masked figures. Maybe it's it's just to further enhance the anonymity, right? Like they're not even in their original seats now. They're just intermingled. Um, I told I totally get the logic behind it. It's just a funny image. It's, it <laughs> is a funny image. Like like the, the lights go the lights Everyone go out and just everybody's like crouched. Yep. One guy's crawl army crawling on the floor. Yeah. Um it's crazy. I, I um, read here that if you can if you want to try to track one person uh, I guess if the agents assume that somebody in particular might be someone of importance, they have to make that alertness roll at minus 20%. If they yes. succeed in my mind, I kind of imagine it like um, the person who they're tracking is actually kind of looking at them in the darkness and almost as if they want you to catch them. They then start moving only once they know you're looking at them and then they move to another spot or something. I like that. I like that a lot. And maybe when they do speak up in the confection in the confession section, it's the voice of someone they know, they knew, maybe somebody who's no longer with us to make it extra chilling and compelling. Oh yeah, um, true. Well, that's where we get to the confessions, where everybody kind of stands up and says something. Do you have favorite confessions of, of all of these listed? These are all so freaking good. Um, they, they're just it's it is it is hard to pick one. Um, like, well, well, eating glass. I noticed a crack in the bowl after I made the soup, but I ate the soup anyway. Near the end, I felt a small piece of glass in my mouth and I chewed it. I swallowed it. Nothing happened. The bowl is gone now. I broke it all up and ate it. I'm getting stronger, I think. Just <laughs> fucking what? <laughs> like, what? Oh, I, the, the phone one. Phones eat words. The more you talk yes. into a phone, the less words you have before you die. It eats those words. It spits them out, digested somewhere else. I never speak in the telephones. My words are my own. Fucking great. I love that stuff. Um, and all of this leads us to the what you just mentioned a moment ago, which is you could put in some of the familiar voices of people they've interacted with before. Maybe Dr. Barbus, uh, who makes mention of the great work that he's working on. Uh, Dr. Dallin could be there. But you could also bring somebody from uh, the Night Floors, one of the uh, the folks that were living there. And like you said, maybe one of the dead agents. I'd, I'd to really screw with them, throw a bond in there. Mm. Um, like, especially if it's one that the agents have made eye contact with, that's their bond. And if you really, really want to screw with them, it's actually their bond as opposed yeah. to when they tear off the mask and it's somebody else. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> that'd be that'd be a what the fuck moment. Um, th now, the agents uh, can have an opportunity to share their own experiences with the group. They'll actually gain sanity and corruption for each visit, uh, 1D4 sanity. And as this is a this is a, um, a grist mill for sanity, uh, it might be a good opportunity for them. And uh, yeah, once they leave, everybody departs one at a time. A hand touches the attendee on the shoulder from someone outside the light. They stand and leave, and the agents are always going to be the last ones. And of course, um, if they try to take control of the situation, draw their guns, that doesn't end well. Um, and they'll find the building empty. No cars, no nothing. 
yeah, definitely creepy, but not necessarily plot driving moment. Right. You know, it's it's, it's a great moment overall. Um, it, another thing that I think is really cool about the encounter group is that it's a good way to get new agents into the campaign. There's a whole uh, opt-int moment here in case of total party kill that goes into how you can bring other agents uh, into the story because they're connected to the encounter group. You know, if everybody dies, um, all of a sudden, every these new agents are in the middle of this encounter group meeting. And, you know, the agents entered the Dorchester house by night. They were never seen again. Do you imagine that this is another uh, uh, outlaws uh, group? I would say so. Yeah, I mean, you could you could go program. The the implication always from the start of this campaign is that the outlaws are the only ones who have maintained the knowledge of the king in yellow, the yellow sign, all of that, which is why static protocol is still very much in effect. But you could ostensibly bring in a program group, or you could play up the surreal nature of this, and this was the group assigned to work it all along. And, yeah. You know, the, the agents that, that died and or disappeared were the ones they were sent to find um, and just kind of keep it going. And so if you did lose everybody in a session before, you, I, I could see a great opening to the next session is the encounter group. It just starts where the characters go to this strange experience, and then after the event they meet up or they are all still there and they communicate with each other, and then the story continues. Absolutely, yeah. And what's more likely is, obviously, as you lose agents here and there, um, you know, pick a point in the campaign to have them just show up, and it was like they never even left. They're like, hey, I thought we were supposed to meet here. You know, like they never died to begin with. Um, you know, and there's this, a, a, a litany. When you're dealing with a scenario this surreal, uh, there's a litany of ways you can bring new characters yeah. back in. You can come up with a million different interesting ways. This actually relates to one of the listener questions that we received from one of our patrons named Bimblewart. They mentioned, how would you go about handling the lethality in impossible landscapes, given the story seems to want the agents who begin the story to find their way to the end. So it's kind of what we're talking about here, where maybe you bring them in uh, later in the encounter group, uh, or maybe some other surreal way. Yeah, that I, I wouldn't be afraid to pull punches, if especially if it's about making sure the agents themselves reach the end of the road. Um, maybe also, you know, reshape how you look at it. Maybe it's not so much as we need the agents to reach the end of the road and reach the end. We need the players to reach the end because it is very much an experience for the players themselves. Yeah. Um, if you've lost other agents, like for instance, I had one die, uh, well, I had two die in this very scenario in a volume of Secret Faces uh, during the escape from Dorchester House. Uh, I had them take the place of two, um, Two of the agents who had been sent to look into Dr. Barbus, Agent Vega and Agent Venus. So those were the replacements. But then later on, in like a map made of skin, I had another agent decide to get shot in the face by a shotgun um, and got one hit killed. And I just had that agent show up at the hotel brothel bin like nothing had ever happened. Uh, they did take a sanity hit, though. Like they remembered dying. They remembered being shot. They remembered the sensation of their head death blossoming open and... Now, all of a sudden, they're in the middle of the hotel brothel bin waiting for the, the rest of their team to show up. Gotcha. So, I mean, you could even bring back the same agent, just dead. Just dead. Yeah. yeah. As a, uh, they, the book talks about repeaters. 
and these are you could bring back the agent as a repeater as a someone who has been so corrupted and influenced by the king in yellow that they are um they are no longer entirely human and they are doomed to wander carcosa forever and it could be one of those things where at the end they just don't leave once yeah. you've reached the palace of the king in yellow the court of the king in yellow they just stay i think you've just presented a bunch of really great ways that that meld with the surreal nature of the campaign so don't shy away from the lethality. It's just, it's why we come to the Delta Green table. Listen, when you've got a campaign and a game in general that, that suspends reality uh, as liberally as this does, the, the, you don't have to worry about it making sense. In fact, the less it makes sense, the better off you probably are. So, yeah. yeah go out, go out and make your uh, surrealist masterpiece. Yes, yes. <laughs> We've talked about all the kind of major other side locations you can go to in this uh, scenario, but then there is the Trivolino Mall and the inevitable ambush that happens there. Where do we begin with that? All right, so yeah, with this particular section of, of uh, Volume of Secret Faces, if the players decide to reach back out to Delta Green through their case officer, through another, whatever avenue of communication you've left open as their handler, they got to play their cards right, because if they imply that they now have knowledge of the king in yellow if they imply that they're working on behalf of dr barbus and they've accepted an operation from him basically if they've given delta green any reason to suspect they have been compromised delta green is going to set up a meeting for them at the trivolino mall uh nearby uh, for a debriefing and this is where they will be ambushed and executed if they're not careful uh because again uh kind of like we talked about earlier in in this episode the outlaws are the only faction of Delta Green that seems to have retained any sort of institutional knowledge of the King in Yellow and, and the corruption that it spreads. And so the static protocol is still the name of the game with, with dealing with these things and any incursions. There are some tidbits in here about what to do if the players decide to research them all. If they decide to research its ownership, they could reach out to um, the owner who's listed as Eva Lundin who has connections back to the overall history of, of uh, you know, the King in Yellow. Yeah, her uh, father uh, was the original owner of the McAllister building. Correct, yep. And so all of these little kind of threads all beginning to tie and connect together. But yeah, they can find information, the Golden Boy, they can find information on the Golden Boy uh, and the burglaries where the security guard encountered this, um, this small child-sized golden figure um, and then inevitably kill, uh, killed themselves. The security yeah. guard, uh, Charles Brandis, uh, is is the security guard who kept insisting that there was a, a boy running around the store. But no matter how much they search, the police search, they cannot find this golden boy. But he shows up again. Oh yeah, yeah. And in fact, Brandis' suicide note says uh, he followed me home tonight. That's all it says. That's not creepy at all. I, I can almost see if your players are asking for connections to the campaign or something. It might be fun to give them this connection. Maybe they were one of the police or one of the investigators on the Golden Boy. Um, hey. Uh, j j you know, I'm always thinking of ways of how you insert all of this random stuff into uh, the site of the players. This might be an avenue. Now, they can stake out the mall, like they like always. There's always options for staking it out. They'll see uh, agents show up uh, with automatic weapons and uh they'll see a golden child uh kind of making the hanging rounds them, yeah just hanging out <laughs> um that no one seems to acknowledge i i do like the uh element here where it says if they attempt to make a uh 
If they attempt to get closer to the van that is currently parked there, they have to make both a stealth and a luck roll, and then there are results for if they fail one, succeed on the other, succeed on both, or fail on both. I, I don't see that too often, and I like that idea of like combining two skills and having different results accordingly. And of course, if they are compromised, the uh, they are taken into custody and brought into the mall. Um, inside the mall itself, uh, what's crazy is that if they're, they go inside ahead of time, um, and they get up to the second floor and they look down, they can see that the fountain uh, is in the shape of the yellow sign. Uh, I was, when I read that, I wasn't sure if it meant that the fountain was like a 3D object that you could see, but you're saying when you look down on it, you can see the sign. Yep, yeah, those looking at it from the second level can clearly see uh, it is in the shape of the yellow sign. Well, of course, uh, there's a very little chance that they'll get up there because they might be shot before that happens. Yeah, yeah, so so long story short, um, the atrium itself at the center of the mall where they're told to show up, uh, it is very much a kill box. Uh, the second they all walk in there, they're going to be cut down by... F- they will potentially be cut down by four gunmen firing fully automatic weapons from the upper level. Um, and then there's two more gunmen waiting outside. So the intent here is really, uh, on Delta Green's part, not necessarily on the handler's part, is to kill these compromised agents. Um, so it, they are, once the agents get in there, the, the, the kill team is just going to go after them relentlessly, ruthlessly, trying to ex- execute them. And it looks like, according to the map, that uh, it, every other part of the mall was kind of cordoned off by uh, these kind of metallic uh, construction walls. Uh, so the only way in is one way, and then they're kind of trapped in that uh, little center area. Right. Yeah. Um, and this is this is lethal. Like I, I believe the statted out NPCs they give for this have high firearm skills. Uh, they've got the attachments on their weapons to give them bonuses to their shooting, and they're they're on the upper level with clear, unobstructed view down into the atrium itself. So you've got vastly, uh, yeah. <laughs> you're vastly outnumbered, vastly outgunned, and in a just a terrible position. What do you envision this scene looking like? Is it is it simply a bloodbath? Is there any way, you know, thinking in a tactical way that these players can survive? They got to be smart, and it depends on what they show up with. If they if they're sh- if they're showing up completely trusting that they're going to be taken care of, yeah, it's bad news. But if you've got paranoid-minded players, I mean, if they've got sidearms, I mean, it, give them give them some wiggle room, right? So, but if they're thinking smart and they're thinking tactically, reward that. Like if one player is like, I'm going to try to take cover and lay down suppressive fire, then great. Then you you're able to put two get two down under cover and hopefully get other agents out and moving. Okay, um, yeah. It, it, the book does mention that there's a, a good amount of cover that they can use to their advantage. Yeah, the lesson for them must be that you can't even trust Delta Green anymore. You're on your own That's it. Uh, when it comes to all this. Uh, something I liked uh, where corruption actually comes into uh, a useful use is that the Golden Boy can reappear to one of the agents with the highest corruption and kind of warn yes. them about what's coming. That's right. Yeah, the um, with that corruption, the the uh, golden boy will show up and will actually like pantomime shooting uh, from like the upper level and kind of give them a clue, a hint that um, not all is as it should be, and hopefully at least draw their attention to the second floor. And maybe even then, you could give them like, listen, 
all all agents are as we know are fallible are human and so maybe as they look up there you know you have them make an alertness roll and maybe one of the agents scuffs a a fallen rock yeah, or something yeah. and and you know another just another little clue to indicate okay something's not right going along with the listener question Bimble Ward's question about lethality I mean look this is a situation where they could die yep. uh, it's almost guaranteed that it's going to happen uh, however if we want to play with the whole surreal idea aspect maybe they do all die and then the next day they wake up in their beds um, it doesn't change the fact that Delta Green is still after them Inexplicably, they they somehow got away from the Delta Green kill team, oh. but they're but they're now. I mean, in a way, it almost kind of solidifies even further that they're now more part of Carcosa than than our world. They're effectively dead, but they're still around. You know what would be super fucked up? I just had this. I just had this image pop in my head. Like, yeah, they they die, but then all of a sudden, one of them wakes up, and then they all begin to wake up one after another, oh. and they're outside. They're outside. And they look behind them, and it's like they've just crawled and pulled themselves out of the shallow grave that they've been buried in. Oh, yeah. And they can see that there's bullet holes in their shirt, there's blood, but they're not wounded. Um, and it's just that they, they were buried, and then they pulled themselves out, now here they are again. I think that's an absolutely great way to do it, especially this deep into the campaign. I mean, I even, you could take it a step further, and they wake up in the morgue, you know, all of them in body bags, you yeah. know what I mean? Something like that. Oh, fucked up. I love it. So so you got to embrace embrace that lethality knowing that this is a surreal campaign. You got to use yep. it to your advantage. Absolutely. Embrace the lethality. Embrace the surrealness of it all. Wow, Vince. We finally <laughs> did it. We yeah. made it through Volume of a Secret Faces with our sanity mostly intact. Uh, next time, we will dive into the scenario like a map made of skin. Uh, drawing our agents ever closer to Carcosa. Vince, uh, thanks for walking us through it all. Absolutely, man, of course. Uh, and if you at home want even more secrets revealed about Volume of Secret Faces and Impossible Landscapes overall, please, once again, consider joining that Patreon uh, where any level will get you access to these longer episodes and more detailed guides that we have coming. And those of you who have been waiting for Doom to Repeat Arc 3 to come out, don't forget that it is finally being released this Halloween. Make sure to check it out then. I cannot freaking wait to see how this season ended up. I am so unbelievably excited. Uh, so yeah, check that out, folks. But until next time, we'll be seeing you. Stay safe, everybody.